the book of Psalms, Psalm 22. Now, before I read the psalm, I want to begin by reminding you once again that the psalms and the words of this psalm in particular are to be interpreted in three ways. It is to be read and interpreted in its original context. It is to be read and interpreted in its prophetical messianic foreshadowing. And then Psalm 22 is to be read and interpreted in a practical sense. Said another way, this psalm can and should be related to as it refers to David, who is a type and figure of Christ, to Christ, who this psalm is foretelling of, and then to all who know Christ, all who are in Christ, as they endure suffering in His name. So keeping these three interpretive truths in mind, as I read the entirety of the psalm, I want you to take notice of the multi-sided application. This is a psalm written by David, as the title tells us. The words that we read are quoted and fulfilled in the person of Christ, and yet they can be related to by Christ's followers in many respects. Psalm 22, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season, and am not silent. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee, and were delivered. They trusted in thee, and were not confounded. But I am a worm, and no man, a reproach of men, and despised of the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breasts. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and a roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws, and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. But be not thou far from me, O Lord. My strength, haste thee to help me. 
Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Ye that fear the Lord, praise him. All ye the seed of Jacob, glorify him. And fear him, all ye the seed of Israel. For he hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. Neither hath he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard, My praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. I will pay my vows before them that fear him. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord, and all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee. For the kingdom is the Lord's. And he is the governor among the nations. All they that be fat upon the earth shall eat and worship. All they that go down to the dust shall bow before him. And none can keep alive his own soul. A seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. They shall come and shall declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born that he hath done this. Now, because this psalm is longer in its length, rather than explaining every verse, for sake of time, I think it might be best if I set the main truths of this psalm into three noticeable themes that we find. Here in Psalm 22, we find first the feeling of abandonment by the Lord. Second, the facing of rejection by others. And then third, the firm promises of God that bring hope. The feeling of abandonment by the Lord, the facing of rejection by others. And then third, the firm promises of God that bring hope. So looking to our first point, notice with me the feeling of abandonment by the Lord. David says, my God. My God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season, and am not silent. These words of David given in verses 1 and 2 are passionate words. They are words filled with great agony during a time of great weakness. And we see also that these distressing words are spoken to God by someone who knows God. The repetitive possessive pronoun, my, indicates that what is being communicated to God is voiced by someone who claims to be united with God. So interpreting these words In its threefold perspective, we must notice that these words can and do relate to the original human author, who is David. In the biographical sketch of David's life, given to us in the scripture, we read that David, before and after he took the throne of king, lived in seasons of great danger and great deprivation. 
And how many are the instances, how many are these specific references throughout the Psalms do we find David feeling excessively troubled, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually weak? Do you remember David's words in Psalm 13? Over and over and over, David cries to the Lord saying, How long? How long will you forget me, O Lord? Forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? So in the interpreting of these words given in Psalm 22, we must recognize that they can and do relate to David. David was a man who endured times in which he felt abandoned by the Lord. Yes, he was a man after God's own heart. Yes, he was a man like Job, who feared God and turned away from evil. But we read in Scripture that David was a man who at times felt that God was nowhere to be found. He felt that there were times in which he prayed, and he was only praying to the wall. God was not hearing him. And all these things brought to David's heart Great agony. Great agony. Now turning from King David, the type of Christ, it is vital that we read these words as they relate to the one that David is prophesying of. And that's Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the promised Messiah. And the words spoken in verses 1 and 2 can and do relate to Jesus Christ. The king of kings. David is the earthly king, but Jesus Christ is the spiritual king. And the most obvious way we know this to be true in that it's speaking of Christ is because Jesus spoke these words just prior to his death as he hung on the cross. In Matthew 27, verse 46, we read these words. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What physical, mental, and emotional agony Jesus endured on the cross for the sins of his people. Think about it. The Bible tells us that Jesus became sin for us. Jesus willingly took the punishment we deserve. Jesus bore the wrath of God in our place. And this means, in a very real sense, that Jesus took our hell. If sin is so serious that it deserves God's punishment, and Jesus became sin for us, this means as Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 3, that Jesus was made a curse for us. The sins of billions were laid upon Him. This led to Jesus feeling the loss of the Father's smile. It led to great agony and a feeling of abandonment by the Lord. And then turning from David's life and from Christ's death... Examining verses 1 and 2 in the light of circumstances that believers face in life, we find that these words can and do relate to Christians 
throughout the centuries. We think of Stephen's martyrdom in Acts chapter 7. What agony did he face as his enemies approached him with great stones? We think of the martyrdom of the apostles. We think of those who are thrown to the lions in Roman Colosseums. We think of those who are burned at the stake like William Tyndale. We think of our brothers and sisters in Christ who are being severely persecuted and martyred around the world even at this very hour. Such believers go through times in which they feel abandoned by the Lord. And then in our humanity, in our trying circumstances, who can deny that our immediate response to God is to ask the question David asks here, which is, why? Why? Don't we ask that when we go through the fiery trials? Why? Why, Lord? Why me? Why this way? Why this time? Why? Why cancer? Why the loss of one that we love so much? Why do you let me suffer? Why is my suffering so severe and so long? Why? Why? So there's point number one, which is the feeling of abandonment by the Lord. David experienced it. The Lord Jesus Christ experienced it. And Christians have and do experience it. Now turning to point number two, notice with me the facing of rejection by others. The facing of rejection by others. And this is primarily covered in verses 6 through 21. And beginning in verse 6, we find reference after reference of David being rejected, David being persecuted, and David being fiercely hated by others. Verse 6, David says, But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. Verse 7, All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head saying, he trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. Verse 12, many bulls, many enemies, many strong creatures have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round about. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and a roaring lion. How fierce are the persecutions of men. Verse 16, for dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. And because of this, David feels overwhelmed. David feels oh so weak. Verses 14 and 15, he says, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue cleaveth to my jaws, and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. What a desperate condition David is in. So reading this as it relates to David, we think of his being chased by Saul and his men. He faced the rejection of others. We think of David running through the wilderness and finding protection in the caves. We think of David being 
hated and pursued by Gentile enemies throughout his kingship. We also think of him being despised and persecuted, even by his own son Absalom. So reading these words, we can see that David was a man who not only felt the abandonment which came by the Lord, so he thought, we see also the rejection of men. And if any human being knew what it was to be rejected by men, surely it was David. And then we need to read this as it relates to Christ. In Isaiah 53, we read that Isaiah prophesies of the reality that the Messiah will be despised and rejected by men. Jesus will be a man of sorrows, a man acquainted with grief. And in the Gospels, we find the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. Jesus went to his own, and his own received him not. Jesus indeed was despised and rejected by his own people, the Jews. He performed miracles, and they still mocked him. His own family saw him up close and personal. They could see that he was a perfect, sinless man, and they doubted him. Though Jesus went around doing good, Jesus was fiercely hated by the religious rulers. Though his enemies could not point to one instance of Jesus doing wrong, they still would not acknowledge him as Lord, much less give him a listening ear. And Jesus not only felt the abandonment of God, Jesus felt the rejection of men. And on the cross, we find the fulfillment of verse 7. As Jesus was numbered with the transgressors, we read in Mark 15 that as others passed by the cross, just prior to His death, they railed on Him, wagging their heads, saying, Ah, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests, mocking, said among themselves with the scribes, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. Let Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified with him reviled him. Jesus' entire life was one of being rejected by men. And then as it relates to the believers being rejected by others, do we not read of Noah being rejected by others for doing what God wanted him to do in building the ark? How many passed by the ark as Noah and his crew were building it and they said, look at this loony man. This man really thinks it's going to rain. This man is really persuaded that the judgment of God is going to come upon us, though we have never seen that much water that he's prophesying of. Do we not read of Joseph being rejected by his own brothers? And what of the prophets and the apostles and those of us who seek to live for Christ in our spiritually dark world? Well, Psalm 22 describes the feelings of abandonment by the Lord and the facing of rejection that Christ, Christ's people, and David, Christ, and Christ's people endured and endured now. And then in our third and final point, I want you to notice the firm promises of God 
that bring hope. The firm promises of God that bring hope. Verses 22 through 31. And thus far, we've only noticed themes of despair, themes of sorrow, themes of rejection. The highlighted truths thus far in this psalm has been one of great, great difficulty. But I want you to notice that in the midst of great difficulty, as David is crying out to the Lord that there is help and that there is hope in him. When we feel abandoned, this psalm is assuring us through David, through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that we can be assured that God is with us, even in the darkest of times. We read Psalm 22 and we hold on to the firm promise that when we face rejection, we can be mindful of the fact that God will use our rejection, God will use our weaknesses for our good. Notice as David cries out for the Lord to help him as he remembers what God has done for others in the past, beginning in verse 22, we find that David is resolved to praise the Lord for the great work that God will accomplish through his sufferings. Notice again, I'll begin in verse 22. So the first 21 chapters are just full of darkness, full of despair. He feels abandoned by the Lord. He is rejected by men. So what's his response? How does a believer move through such circumstances? What hope does he have to wake up another day and serve the Lord? Well, look at it. Verse 22, he makes a choice. He says, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Ye that fear the Lord, praise him. All ye seed of Jacob, glorify him and fear him, all ye the seed of Israel. Why? Why should we praise him? Why should we fear him? Why should we worship him when we feel this way? And when others are attacking us so strongly, here it is. Verse 24, for he hath not despised nor poured the affliction of the afflicted, neither hath he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard. My praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. I will see the result, pay my vows before them that fear him. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. It's a promise. It's going to happen. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. All the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee. Why? For the kingdom is the Lord's and he is the governor among the nations. All they that be fat upon earth shall eat and worship. All they that go down to the dust shall bow before him and none can keep alive his own soul. Verse 30, a seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. Jesus is not a failing Savior. He's a successful Savior. What did he say? He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. They shall come and shall declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born that he, God, hath done this. What a triumphant ending. 
So looking at things optimistically with the eye of faith, in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, David says that God has not despised him in his affliction. God has not hid his face from him. When he cried to the Lord, God hurt him. In other words, David is saying, I know that I feel one way. I do. I can't help it. I'm human. Though I feel one way, I know. I know. I'm persuaded by truth. I'm persuaded by the word of God that is sure. I know that God in his grace and God in his sovereignty will perform all things for my spiritual good and his eternal glory. So as we look at this in its threefold application, we find that these truths are true. In David's life, God was with him until the end of his days. Now, was David perfect? No, in no wise. Did David fail and fall on his face and make plenty of mistakes like we all do? Yes. But we see in the totality of David's life, God was with him, and God used him in ways beyond David could ever imagine. And then in Christ's life, even in the agony of Christ's death, the Father gave Christ the needed strength to fulfill His holy will. Through the sufferings of Christ, through His agony, through His death and resurrection has come a number of a great congregation who belong to His sheepfold. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Looking to the words preserved in verses 30 and 31 here, we find that through Christ's death and resurrection, there is now a seed that serves Him. Christ's sheep, Christ's people, Christ's bride declares His righteousness. And that's why we're meeting here tonight. We gather, not in our own name, not in the name of Calvary Baptist Church, we gather in Christ's name to declare His faithfulness. And there will be a people uh, that will be spiritually birthed who will proclaim that He is the governor over all the nations, verse 28. That's our common bond if we belong to Christ. He has saved us. He has redeemed us. Therefore, He's worthy of praise. And Christ will continue working in the hearts of men till all who will be in Christ are in Christ. So we look at this through the perspective of David. God was with him until the end. We look at it through the perspective of Christ. God the Father was with Christ until the end, even though he faced Great agony, he faced the rejection of men. And then we look at this in our lives. And we know that God has promised never to leave us, nor forsake us. Though we may face great trials, though we may go through times of great agony, God has promised, Romans 6.23, sorry, Romans 8.28, God has promised to use such instances to conform us into the image of Christ. And listen, when our time of death comes, when we walk through that final trial, that final storm, the storm of death, 
And it may involve great agony. We must remember that our death will lead to everlasting life. Our pain will lead to peace. And our agony will lead to the adoration of the one who agonized for us. So the applications are many. Praise God for the agony He endured for you. Remember that God will use your sufferings for good. Though you can't see it, though you can't comprehend it, this side of heaven, we must rest on the promises of God's word that He will. In times of distress, we must learn, like Christ, like David, to commit ourselves into God's keeping. And then we must do, as the author of Hebrews tells us to do, we must consider Him, that is Christ, that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest we be wearied and faint in our minds. So what's our responsibility as believers, as we endure the agony of this life, keeping our eyes on the one who suffered for him, lest we become weak and weary in our minds. And then the last application is, if you are here without Christ, if you're here without hope, without God in this world, the application for you is to do as the hymn says, to survey the wondrous cross, on which the Prince of Glory died. The application is for you to see from His head, His hands, His feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. And then you need to ask yourself this question. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet or thorns compose So rich a crown. But God commendeth his love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. For scarcely for a righteous man. Would one die. But Christ in love and grace. Died. Suffered. Agonized. For the ungodly. So if you're here without Christ. The invitation for you is to look. Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. The invitation is for you is to see all that Christ did to bring you to a place of salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Call upon his name. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near.